You're listening to Force Friends Rewatch, a Star Wars TV show podcast. From Rebels to Resistance and The Mandalorian to Ewoks, we've got you covered. Here's your warning, there will be spoilers. And there will be swearing, because our host just gets so gonk darn excited to talk about these good, good shows. Welcome to Force Friends Rewatch. I'm your host, Andy. And I'm Ryan. On Force Friends Rewatch, we enter the pod really slowly and kind of awkward. And then we talk about Star Wars television shows. (laughs) We are currently covering every Mandalorian-themed episode. From Clone Wars to Rebels, and we just wrapped... Covering Mando season one, and now we're starting on Mando season two, episode one, Sheriff Daddy. Before we get into <laughs> is that, how the okay, yeah, that's the title. That's the name of the episode. Is Sheriff? I'm Daddy. pretty sure that's the title. Before we get into that, though, we have a guest. It's me. <gasps> Who are you? Uh, I'm Evan. Evan's here. Evan from you know. You know, your fiance Evan. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> For the benefit of the audience, my name's Evan. I'm Andy's fiance. I've never been on this podcast before. Hi, everyone. Which nice is. To talk to you about Star Wars. It's inexplicable that you haven't been on yet. It took this long. I'm not as serious about Star Wars as Andy is. Don't get me wrong. I do love a Star <laughs> Wars, but um, I'm not as, as serious about it as Andy is. And also, it kind of like. It feels like a like a cheap shot. It feels like a an easy get <laughs> if you have me on too early. You know, you gotta Fair. prove that you can get the the unconnected guests. You gotta establish yourselves as authorities in the Star Wars podcasting <laughs> space, and then you can do softball episodes like the one with Andy's fiance. You were not a softball get though. Yeah, I no. had I had every intention of asking Brian from Pink Milk to come back. For this episode, uh, he joined us for uh, season one, episode two of The Mandalorian, uh, and that episode was phenomenal. And I really wanted to have him come back. And he's like, I love Cobb Vanth. If you watch Pink Milk, you know how much Brian ships uh, Din and Cobb, and it's very adorable. As everyone should. I yeah. It's the only sensible and, decision you can make after having seen that episode and he's got a lot of like great thoughts about the two characters i was like oh I'll, you know i'll reach out to brian again and see if he wants to come back but i think i casually asked you like hey babe what episode do you want to uh be on for force friends and you were like the only one i want to do is sheriff daddy was your response you said the only one i want to do is that episode i was like well fuck Fuck Brian, I'm sleeping with with Evan, so <laughs> Evan gets to come back, uh, or Evan gets to appear for Sheriff Daddy. Oh, well, I hope I do as good a job as that guy would have done, because he's way more famous than I am. <laughs> way more important Star Wars person than I am. But not to us. It's close. Not oh, to us, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We watched this episode together this morning in bed. It was great. We had breakfast in bed, and we watched uh, Mando. It's very good. Uh, so who who are you? What 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 are what are your who who are you, Evan? Oh, if only I knew. Um, <laughs> so I my my presence online kind of centers around cosplay stuff. I do a lot of cosplay stuff. Um, I am Andy's co-podcaster on Ending Pending. And I've got my own podcast called Fan Fiction is Good, actually. Uh, you've probably heard about it somewhere if you've listened to... We, we all talk... We're on the same network. We talk about this. <laughs> What's the stuff. name of that network again? Where They May Radio. Oh, yeah. Oh. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, Thank yeah, you for yeah. sharing. You might... <laughs> uh, and then I also post pictures of my cats on the internet. Uh, besides the cosplay stuff, it's just podcasting and cats. And maybe a plant or a rock sometimes. I have a lot of rocks. I like rocks. That's a life. Yeah. It's a life well lived. Yeah. 
I wish I could just do that all the time. Just do podcast <laughs> and cats and rocks. I have a real job, but it it shall not be named here. Uh, Ryan, do you want to ask Evan all the the a bunch of questions? Because I feel like it's weird if I do it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I feel like you covered a lot of the bases. I guess what's your what's your Star Wars story? How do you come to this galaxy far, far away? And what the hell made you decide to stick around? Um, so I f- saw my first Star War when I was probably like six or seven years old. My cousins, who were um, mostly a little bit older than me, I think uh, all male cousins, uh, the oldest of them was probably like 10 or 11 at the time. They rented, uh, oh my goodness, what was it? It was Empire Strikes Back from Blockbuster while we were all over at my grandma's house for like a cousin sleepover. And uh, I have a very vague memory of watching it, but I was like really captivated by it. Uh, Didn't know there were other Star Wars movies for a long time until I was like probably a tween or teenager. And then at some point I saw the other Star Wars movies. Don't don't know exactly when that happened, but yeah, uh, it must have been before I was 11 now that I'm thinking about it because Phantom Menace came out when I was 11 and I had seen the other Star Wars movies. No, Phantom Menace came out when I was nine. Yeah, came I was going to say it came out in 1999. Yeah. I don't know why. Harry Potter. Harry, I, I discovered Harry Potter when I was 11. Sorry, I'm, I'm sussing out this timeline <laughs> in real time with you guys. Ronnie can cut out some of that if it's too meandering. But uh, at some time between age six or seven, And age nine, I saw the other Star Wars movies because I was excited about Phantom Menace when it came out. I got the junior novelization from the Scholastic Book Fair. With the movie stills in the center of the book? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. Got it from the Scholastic Book Fair. Um, I liked Phantom Menace when it came out because I was a child. And I still think that there are a lot of things about it that are very fun and good. Uh, It's, you know, very aesthetically and tonally different from the other star wars is 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 but um i think there's some stuff to enjoy there still the other two new trilogy ones i forget most of except the gladiator scene (laughs) that was great um i retained a sort of casual interest in star wars throughout my childhood i read a lot of the um uh jedi apprentice books with uh like little little baby obi-wan uh, the, the jude watson books yeah yes uh, i love those. those would get those from the library pretty frequently uh they were very short so even like as a young teenager i was plowing through those pretty quickly xanatos truly does feel like a proto kylo ren <laughs> in a lot of ways i don't know I if i remember been... that character I have, I have never such considered... A this was so long ago. He was Qui-Gon's first apprentice who turned to the dark side, and he oh. and Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon all fight a bunch, and uh, he's got a cool scar on his face. And <laughs> Did they yeah. fight that guy with real swords at one point? Yeah, no, but Obi-Wan did have to fight someone with real swords yeah. at yeah. one point because he was undercover I re- at, like, a fancy academy. I remember, it, like, a scene from those books where... Obi-Wan had to fight somebody with a real sword for the first time. Uh, I don't know why that sticks out. Anyway. It was really exciting because like, the author kept describing how the weight was throwing Obi-Wan off because lightsabers don't have weight. Mm-hmm. It was a good scene. I completely mm-hmm. forgot about that. Yeah. Um, anyway. So, yeah, I read... The, I didn't get deep into the <clears throat> the rest of the Star Wars what is now Star Wars Legends into the Star Wars Extended Universe. Uh, I mainly just read the the Obi-Wan books, and I read a couple of... There was, like, some Boba Fett as a child books that I read. I vaguely remember them. Uh, yeah. I love Rogue One, did not care for uh, Solo, and I have a mixed bag of feelings about the the new trilogy but i have seen all of them s- several times except the most recent one i only saw that one once uh but generally speaking uh i have a a fondness for star wars but i don't get too deep in the the fandom on the internet it's a little bit 
a little bit weird. <laughs> Star Wars fandom on the internet's a little bit weird. So you get I just, updates from me. Yeah, yeah, I get it all filtered through Andy, and that's really how I like it. You know, I only get the good stuff after Andy does the vetting process for me. The hottest takes yeah. get delivered. That is a good position yep. to be in. Andy is the best yeah. lifeline to this this swamp that we inhabit that I can think of. <laughs> yeah, I'm realizing that even now, even on this podcast, which I know is a cool, chill podcast and nobody's going to like come at me, I uh, have pointedly avoided saying which of the new trilogy I liked and which I didn't because there's so much discourse <laughs> about it online. I'm like, I can't don't, don't at me, please. Oh, we're, we're pretty vocal on here. That, yeah. Uh, the last Jedi is great. And, uh, the rise of Skywalker is disappointing. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know how y'all feel about it. I'm just saying like, I, my instinctive reaction in bringing up the new trilogy <laughs> was, was to just be like, yes. I like some of them and I don't like other <laughs> yes. ones. Don't, Ask me any more questions about it, please. <laughs> but yeah, um, Last Jedi is good. Rise of Skywalker, very bad. Didn't like it at all. Uh, as far as Star Wars and cosplay, because you, you are a cosplayer, you have done some very cool cosplays. Thanks, dear. You, you've, you've dabbled in Star Wars cosplay. I guess you should, I shouldn't say you've dabbled. You've done two great costumes that I'm aware of. Yeah. I did a generic Sith. Which was very uh, sexy. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that was just for funsies. That was just to have, be like a comfy costume. Uh, looks good. Is fun to wear. And I have done Cassian Andor, which also looks good and is fun to wear. Uh, they're my like comfy costumes. What about Cassian brought brought that about why why do you like rogue one so much what about cassian made you want to cosplay him uh what i like most about rogue one uh factors into why i like the show the mandalorian quite a lot and it's that i really like star wars media that takes place in the star wars universe it plays in the sandbox but it uh is not It's a little bit disconnected from the uh, Skywalker family drama all the time. Uh, I like that everyone in Rogue One, I mean, of course, it, it connected with A New Hope. I Like the very last bit of the movie, like overlapped with a story we had already seen. But uh, the majority of the movie, all of the characters that we were emotionally invested in in this movie were people we had not seen before who had lives that to this point, we're totally separate from the Skywalker family drama, and we got to see sort of how they fit into this political situation playing out and how they live their lives and stuff like that. I like that it kind of felt like a World War II movie in ways that the other Star Wars movies didn't, and I also like that they had the, the guts to kill everybody at the end. I love a movie that commits. I hate uh, death fakeouts. I hate it. And I hate characters getting brought back to life. I like when death has meaning in media. So mm -hmm. you can see uh, why some Star Wars media has disappointed me in my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> any, any particular reason why you picked Cassian to cosplay? Uh, I would be lying if I said I was not attracted to Diego Luna. Uh, he also conveniently, I don't know, we have a similar, like, frame, we have a similar body type, so that was a factor. This is always, like, some level of a factor that I consider in picking costumes. Costume was, uh, fairly easy. I just loved the movie. Uh, I wouldn't say that I, like, connected to him specifically as a character in a meaningful way. I just loved the entire movie and his role in it. I don't think Cassie and I, Cassian and I have a whole lot in common or anything like that, but he's a cool character. Uh, the costume was very approachable. Uh, I love the whole movie, love reminiscing about the movie. So that's where I landed on that one. Uh, is that guy's name Tevik? Would you have shot Tevik in that alley? Mm, I mean, <laughs> I think, I think uh, Cassian did what he had to do. Tevik. I was close. Tivik. The guy who looks like Pablo Hidalgo from, like, 60% of all angles. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's another, like, 
fun thing about that character in that movie is that like the the character was definitely like morally gray. He was not a an outright good dude. He made some decisions that ne- not necessarily everyone would have agreed with, but that's good. This is good. We like complex characters. Yeah. We like multidimensional characters. Cool, 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 cool. I, uh, I actually, there's a lot of adorable things about the two of you and your nerd relationship and all that is there. Is it intentional that you both cosplay morally complex fulcrum agents? Mm. This, and is the, this is the queer experience uh is connecting with characters that uh some people would perceive as villains there you go i think there you go i i was not prepared because rogue one came out before callus used fulcrum right uh yes yes so I had already liked Callus, but uh. I think I knew Evan was planning on cosplaying Cassian. And when Callus came out of the fulcrum closet, uh, I think <laughs> I was like immediately shipping those two characters. There you go. We never see them interact, but we know that they like lived on Yavin 4 at the same time and we're both using the same code name so I have to imagine that like when Ahsoka threw the like fulcrum like work bonding party <laughs> they they maybe like met at the margarita bar or something <laughs> and maybe had a tryst maybe the, the mixer the, the fulcrum mixer <laughs> Zeb, was, Zeb was like away and Cass uh, and Callus uh, was lonely, and Cassian was there. I'm for it. I'm for it. I I, I had have... not, I had not thought this through in anything like the way that you had. Well, I, I, I made you take shippy pictures with me once while we were mm. both wearing those costumes. Oh, I just thought that's because you like making out. I mean, I do, <laughs> but also Cassian and Callus. Mm. The uh, the day that that I. I met Evan and introduced Becca to Andy at Star Wars Celebration. I may have used the phrase fulcrum power couple. It it might have come mm. up. I don't. Yeah. It yeah, did yeah. three times. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But yeah, I don't we we didn't like we didn't plan that. At least I didn't plan That's that. That's interesting. Just, uh, no, the stars yeah. just kind of aligned. Yeah. We both liked those characters and then I mean, like, Cassian is never called Fulcrum on screen in the way that Callus is, but no, I, I think it was one of the source books. Oh, yeah. Yes. I mean, I guess he has his own show coming out. Like, we'll for sure call him Fulcrum in that. Oh, yeah. Which is dope. But yeah, I yeah. think uh, queer people just sort of instinctively uh, have have more sympathy for maligned characters, especially ones who maybe are a little bit queer-coded, I'm not saying that Cassian is queer coded. I don't think he is. I'm just saying queer people uh, are attracted to uh, characters kind of on the margins of society because we identify with them. I was just saying I don't identify with Cassian and now I'm making it a thing, I guess. But you asked the question. So yeah. I, had to, I had to process that for a minute. That's, you would shoot Tivik. You might. Poor Tivik. This is a Tivik uh, podcast now. <laughs> no. Moment of silence for Tivik. And that was he, a moment. He wasn't going to climb out of there. He, he had his arm in a sling. Cassian did what he had to. Um, Alright, well let's talk about The Mandalorian. Uh, it's let's time to it. recap. Uh, this episode is the start of season two. And it opens with the Mando going to a fight pit. I'm trying to remember. See, I was eating breakfast during this, so it's. I was eating a a a impossible breakfast sandwich with right a chocolate croissant and a soy latte. Evan had a iced lemon loaf and uh, an iced coffee. It was that a cold, sounds cold delightful. Brew. Yeah, Evan yeah. had a cold brew, and uh, the porgs were there. Uh, I love Mando it. was walking to a fight pit. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's there was a guy there who had some information about where he could potentially find another Mandalorian. Yeah, he was like a fun kind of like 1920s motherfucker. Yeah. And uh, it was a cold open type situation where he meandered into this fight pit and uh, it was clear that he had set up this appointment with this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he he used the whistling birdies and uh, then he strung the dude up. And then he's like off to Tatooine and uh we get the 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 fun mechanic back and Mando lets the pit droids work on his ship, which is some character development, and he Growth. and he heads to uh Moss Pelgo. And if you um had read the Aftermath trilogy you're putting some pieces together. <laughs> and uh Mando walks into a bar and I love that everyone just calls the bartender Weakway, which feels... Which is, yeah, like his species little, name. Yeah, which that feels a little insensitive. A, but wasn't, but that, uh, wasn't that a thing in Legends that, like, some Weakway, when they're away from their homeworld, prefer to only be called Weakway? I, think I that, just thought I think it was a re- reference to Seth Green and Robot Chicken. No, no, I think, I think that was but, actually a thing. Like, that oh. certain Weakway that were very into being Weakway would only answer to Weakway... Unless they were on Sreeler. Mm. Now I gotta look this up. Legends was really (laughs) tough. I think I had an action figure that said that on the back. Okay, well, well, anyway, Google, Google, Googling is happening. Um, (laughs) There is some remarkable sexual tension between uh, Sheriff Daddy and. Played by Timothy Oilerfants. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wife man. Wife. <laughs> quintessential wife man. Uh, Timothy. Timothy Oliphant. Uh, and. Uh, Din Djarin. Uh, right when they're about to make out though. Uh, the crate dragon. Rolls on by. And they, they make a deal. Uh, Mando wants the armor. Cobb wants the dragon dead. They they make a, a dealio to. You didn't establish, by the way, that the reason he goes out to Mos Pelgo is because the guy from the fight pit told him that he heard about a Mandalorian. Oh, out in the, the, the listeners, the listeners aren't listening for like an actual recap. They just want Andy to 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 okay. rant here. Um, anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we have a we have a we have a shtick. Uh, the recap is just kind of whatever the fuck Andy remembers and then talks about breakfast. Uh, they run into some Tuscans. There's some, uh, some sand puppies who are adorable. Uh, we haven't seen them since Attack of the Clones. And, uh, they make a deal with the Tuscans to help. They, uh, have to overcome some prejudices and learn some lessons. Mando asks, uh, his his daddy to adopt his little goblin because he thinks he might die and they kill the the crate dragon and uh Cobb Vanth is like oh hey here's that armor uh it looked better on the floor of your bedroom and Mando is like you know what we're not allowed to show this because it's on Disney Plus but I bet there's some great fan art and uh, then they part ways and Boba Fett. And Boba Fett. And Boba Fett. Boba Fett, where? Right there. Uh, and that's the episode. That's the whole episode. Perfectly recapped. And I, I just so nobody loses sleep over it, I did look up the Weequay thing while you were recapping. And yeah, I guess if a Weequay leaves their clan, they take a name. But if they're in the clan... Uh, they sometimes do not take a name as a show of like devotion to a god or some crazy legend shit. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, yeah I so, don't know. Like you could really fall on either side of yeah. like were were the writers just establishing what this species is called for yeah, the new canon, or were they referencing a legends thing? We don't know. A little of both, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I I loved this episode. I I did. It is an extremely uh, all of Mandalorian feels like a like a space western. Uh, this is the most unambiguously western movie inspired episode thus far. I think. Oh no doubt. 
this is this is a mysterious stranger blowing into town to help the marshal root out the bandit. It's really good. It's a really good episode. I know that a lot of people complain about season two having too many cameos from characters from outside of the show. And I feel like every time they bring in a character from other material, it makes perfect sense in the introduction of said character is flawless to the point of if you did not know that Cobb Vance was from three chapters within the Aftermath trilogy, you would not have known he was from outside this show. I didn't know that, and I didn't notice. Uh, Same with Bo-Katan. If you did not know who Bo-Katan was, I feel like you would not have known that she was not an original character. Uh, And same with Ahsoka. Yeah. I, I did know that those two were from another Star Wars thing, but I didn't. I, I knew more about Ahsoka than I knew about Bo-Katan, but uh, just saying, like, as someone much more casually interested in Star Wars than you guys are, uh, they did not feel that heavy-handed to me. Ahsoka felt a little more heavy-handed than Bo-Katan did, sure. mm-hmm. but Bo-Katan just rolled up and was like, what up? I'm a badass. Here are my priorities. <laughs> Let's roll with the episode. It, it was not distracting at all. I'd say um, the only one that felt a little bit too aggressively like a cameo was um, Ahsoka. But even that was not that bad. It was not distracting. So what uh, what worked this episode? That that tends to be what we do here is we talk about things we liked. Um, I think the obvious is that Timothy Oliphant was uh, absolutely great casting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's already like well known as a... Um, like a Western guy, like he's, he's in that, um, justified. Yeah. He's in that movie where he's like a Texas Ranger. So that's like set in the modern era, but he's, he's got this kind of like old West vibe in that show. So like they already were, were pulling from that cultural knowledge of Timothy Oliphant. Also, male wife from Santa Clarita Diet. Yeah. Yeah. Santa Clarita Diet's a great show. Totally unrelated. I still haven't seen that. Oh, it's so good. So good. So (laughs) funny and very wholesome. Yeah, there's no, like, mean-spirited humor in there. You know, it's kind of like Bob's Burgers in that way. Oh, right on. Anyway, this this is not a... uh, Santa Clarita (laughs) Diet podcast, but... Santa Clarita Friends Rewatch. Santa Clarita Diet. Yeah. Um, So, (laughs) he's already... He's got the he's got exactly the right vibes for this show. So 10 out of 10 casting. Yeah, he was Aftermath for me was the the little side stories were the best part. And I really liked Cobb Van when they announced that there was going to be a show about a Mandalorian gunfighter after Return of the Jedi. I was like, long shot, want it to be Cobb Vanth. Got what I wanted in a way I didn't expect, but like. What was weird was Cobb is barely described in the books. You could kind of form your own picture in your head. Timothy Oliphant looks nothing like my mental Cobb Vanth, but within about five seconds, I was like, oh, yeah, that's him. That's him. You bought it. You bought it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Right off the bat. Like, as soon as he started talking. He is significantly different in this, in that in the Aftermath books, he is pretty ambiguously, like, he's kind of a bad dude. Yeah. Uh, like, he, he is fighting the, like, shattered crime syndicates and these, these like, evil miners. But he, he is also, like, a murderer and, uh, like, kidnapping people and stuff. Um, I guess he could be. Uh, we just don't know. We don't get that big of a glimpse into his life from this. Yes, and we're yeah. s- we're seeing him like four to five years into having fashioned himself as this benevolent lawman. Like he may have grown into the role. Well, I like when Mando asks him, "Where did you get that?" and his response is really flippantly, "Bought it off some Jawas." Yeah, and while that is actually what happened, it. When he tells the story later, it is different than the Aftermath version. Yes. And his, how he says it, it sounds like it's just a saying on Tatooine of like, dog ate my homework. 
Like how he said, bought it off some Jawas sounded like dog ate my homework. Like it just sounded like a bullshit thing that people say when they want you to know they're lying to you. You know, like it, it felt like a, a euphemism. Yeah, it. that's why, because a lot of people, a lot of a very specific kind of person, uh, complained that this episode ruined the Aftermath novels by overriding the details. But there's no way Cobb was telling the truth. He wasn't overriding anything. We were seeing his headcanon about his own life. It was a dog ate my homework story. What happened in the, I, I've only read the first of the, the Aftermath novels, so I don't actually know what the, the actual he- story is. Doesn't somebody else buy the armor and he shoots him or something? He is in a sand crawler looking through stuff and someone else is there. And I think the other person has the crystals. Yes. And that's is right. trying to buy the armor and Cobb like kills the dude and then uses the crystals to buy the armor. If I'm remembering correctly, I it has been right. a long time. He might Same. have just threatened the guy and made the guy leave. I don't remember. Um, but it is uh, like Cobb is regularly he, he only shows up once per book. But each time he shows up, he is shown as like kind of gaining in like militant power and like kind of has like a cult following because he is he's kind of become this figurehead for the disenfranchised. But he's uh, also maybe not the best dude. So people, the people complaining don't understand the concept of, of an unreliable narrator. Narrator, yeah. You're saying, yeah. yeah. If somebody, That's if exactly you're trying it. to get somebody to help you with a dangerous and high stakes task, you would want them to think that you're a good dude. So, yes. yeah, of course, he told him, he told, uh, uh, Din Djarin the version of the story where he was, you know, uh, in a an impossible situation. And exactly. through sheer dumb luck, uh, things turned out his way. And now he's coming back to to settle the score and save people and help people. And se- sure. Yeah. Well, exactly. also, like the aftermath version of events maybe isn't necessarily true 100 percent either. Like. If the the dude who Cobb like got the crystals from or whatever survived, which I don't remember but he's going to remember and tell that story way differently than Cobb would, you know? So like, yeah, I, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with there being some uh, inconsistencies where the truth is maybe in the middle. Uh, There are plenty of fans who are kind of frustrated with uh, stuff from the books, like being, uh, ignored or overturned, um, I can sympathize with the frustrations, and I can also say it's really cool that we got Caleb Dune in the Bad Batch. And, exactly. Um, I think it's rad that we got Cobb Vanth in the Mandalorian, and I get creators not necessarily wanting to be beholden to uh, stuff that was written five years ago now, six years ago now. Yeah, I think there was a time when I cared a lot about what was canon, what wasn't. And I don't mean specifically for Star Wars. I mean other things, just just the concept of like things that are canon and things that are not canon. But uh, as soon as I started caring about anything related to comic books, I had to let all that go. <laughs> once you once you read comic books, like everything is so fucky all the time, like it's been written by hundreds of different people over decades and decades. You just like it doesn't no, nothing matters. Just enjoy each individual story for what it is. And if they connect, ooh, cool, that's a fun little thing, you know, and if they don't connect, like, don't worry about it. Two yes. things can exist simultaneously. You can hold these ideas I, in your head at the same time. I agree 100%. And I can also say that I'll go to my grave pissed that, like, what The Rise of Skywalker did to Poe was dirty. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah no, I yeah, don't like that it. Has, still that has to, a whole other layer to, to it. You're st- well, there was some racial stuff going yeah. on there. But yep, also, yep, yep, yep. also, um, like, you know... You don't have to like both versions equally. Like, this is a thing about, you know, Nightcrawler, who is a character that I love. All the parts about him, like, being a member of the clergy and being homophobic, that stuff I just pretend doesn't exist. That's bad. That was bad, and I don't agree with it. 
it exists, you know, in the canon, but it's, uh, it's, well, that was the ultimate universe. I liked it to ignore it. It's just a thing I don't like, so I don't ever think about it. This is, this goes also for, uh, like the people who are upset that Legends, uh, isn't canon anymore. (sighs) Um, you don't have, guys, you can, uh, you can just, uh, enjoy that thing. You can still enjoy it. It's still out there. Just enjoy it. I get Uh, the frustration that it's not continuing more than I get the frustration that it's not canon. mm -hmm. I understand why it's not continuing. I was still excited for some things that were in the works, but I get it. But I don't care if it's even left at that point. Like they already told up through Luke's great grandson. Right. But they they did have a uh, there was a series that was going to finally let them retire and focus on Jaina as a hero in her own right. And that was like apparently half written and they just decided not to release it. And I can totally understand why the people who the people who are really into that character are really like it went as far as I think there was like a T-shirt release to promote the books. And then they just iced everything. I get that frustration. But yeah, all that canon means is whether or not another storyteller has to think about this thing. And I don't know. What do you care? Just like what you like. Yeah, just go. Just keep reading the things that you like. Yeah, They're still there. You can still buy them on, uh, you know, at your local used bookstore or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. I got distracted. I'm sorry. We're no, talking yeah, about. Yeah. We're this talking is, about Sheriff Daddy. Yeah, Sheriff Daddy. Um, we're gonna we're gonna go in a circle. Just just rapid fire. Answer right away. Cobbenden. Gay. Uh, yeah. well, I, sure. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know if there's other instances of either of them liking women, but sure. Uh, gay or bi or something. Why not? It, to me, felt like there, there are some characters in Star Wars that just, if you were to reverse or flip or whatever, if you were to change them into an opposite sex pairing, Everyone would just accept that they were a couple. Mm. So, like, I think of Finn and Poe. I think of Ahsoka and Barris, and I think of um, Bays and Churret. And this episode, if you were to make one of them uh, a woman, I feel like everyone would have walked away being like, "Oh yeah, they're a couple." Like that was a love story. Yes. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, that to me is when I'm like, oh yeah, like that was, that was uh, that was a gay couple right there. Like they're in love. Um, <laughs> we talked about this before. I'm always more hesitant than you are to label things as gay because I don't want to be perceived as giving creators credit for representation where no actual representation exists. And I know that's not what you're doing, but I just uh, like I always have to like guard myself when sure. I'm saying like, yeah, so and so's gay. It's official. It's canon. It, it, it it's not. But oh, I, yeah, you you can certainly with you know using a uh, uh, a queer lens in media criticism. Yeah, you can read the relationship that way. It, it is funny how universally it feels like the fandom has accepted that Din is gay, and I love that. It feels like people either ship Din Cobb or Din Luke. And uh, I I love both ships. I think both ships are valid. Uh, I'm amassing a pirate fleet, and I'll sell both of them. I don't quite get the the Luke one, but uh, there's just a lot of like really cute fan art of like Luke and Din raising baby Yoda together. Oh. <laughs> uh, and okay. Like, I mean, they did like they only appeared on screen together for like a second. Like, yeah, but then uh, they hung yeah. out later, and uh, there's a lot of really like. I don't want to say weird because that sounds mean, but there's a lot of like old man Din and Luke fan art out there because like, obviously we got old man Luke in the sequel trilogy. So people are doing art of like old man Pedro Pascal with Mark Hamill <laughs> uh, and like an older uh, Grogu. And it's, it's very fun. Uh, you know, if that's your ship, sail it proudly. I'm here. I still only ever call the, 
call the baby Yoda baby Yoda. <laughs> I don't care. I know he has a name and I don't care. Anyway, what else was good about this episode? Besides the extremely quality homoerotic sexual tension of two cowboys reaching for their pistols. Uh, I like that this episode made a, a good effort towards humanizing the sand people yeah. quite a bit. Uh, I did point out to Andy as we were watching, I think this was a sort of subconscious choice that the the writers made later, but they did allow a lot more sand people to die than human people with faces, you will notice, in the, the battle with the, the crate dragon. I mean, I didn't do an actual, like, tally, but when the the thing was spraying acid... It certainly seemed to me like a hell of a lot more sand people were getting murdered. I noticed than, that. Uh, than human people with faces. So there's uh, definitely some some pro-human anti-sand people uh, <sighs> like bias on the part of the the writers there. But they did go to the trouble of establishing that like the sand people have an actual language, you know, and uh, like other people can learn to speak it. They're not just like weird. Uh, animal people like making grunting noises uh they they set up this whole thing where like the humans have to cooperate with the sand people so i liked that i like that we um you know establish these functionally indigenous people of tatooine as actual people and not just yeah. uh like a plot device i do wonder if they were making a commentary that uh, marginalized people will like suffer more in any tragedy i doubt that it went that deep yeah but, yeah uh, i kind of i kind of i gotta i gotta assume that it was just uh like it it felt emotionally easier to acid melt people whose faces are covered than that, to acid melt people whose faces are exposed and human looking it was probably a mix of that and a mix of the studio like just being cautious because as much as this is a series marketed towards our age group it's selling a lot of toys to 10 year olds mm -hmm. you can't you can't age it away from them and i think that probably was more of the case i mean the commentary is a nice accidental benefit but i yeah i loved all of the nods to other star wars stories so you have cop yeah. speeder bike seemingly yeah. being one of anakin's pod racer engines yeah, uh, I, did wonder, I did wonder if it was meant to be like Anakin's actual pod racer engine or just if that was like a fairly common design of engine available well, in the area. But it was like I recognized it. You know, After he won the Boon to Eve classic, Qui-Gon did sell the pod for money. So it could have been that like a bunch of knockoffs got made or it could maybe be one of Anakin's engines. Uh, we also have Cobb. Uh, his jetpack being smacked in the same way Boba Fett's was to make it go flying off. That was funny. Uh, the Crate Dragon Pearl is a uh, shout out to KOTOR. Uh, we got the puppies from Attack of the Clones. It took me a minute to suss out what that big round thing was. Yeah. <laughs> pearl, yeah. No, I mean, I did figure out that it was a pearl, but I had to, like, do some math in my head. I was like, is that an egg? Is that a... Oh, it's, I guess it, I guess the thing eats a lot of sand. I guess it eats a lot yep. of sand. So I, sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of fun, a lot of fun references to other Star Wars things that I enjoyed spotting. Yeah. There was a, also the, uh, there was a mobile game around the time the force awakens came out that I feel like everybody forgot about. Uh, but Marvel's doing some stuff with it. It was called uprising and you were usually you played as some sort of secret agent that was trying to get the footage of the destruction of the second death star to people in remote parts of the galaxy so the fact that like the video of the second death star blowing up was what set off the celebration but also set off the unrest i i feel like if we're digging as deep as cob vanth that can't be accidental Oh, yeah, I guess the second Death Star was destroyed in Return of the Jedi, which is a reference That's to... That's another reference. You know, Return of the Jedi, yeah. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the Arabesh going around the destruction of the second Death Star, I paused it and I translated it because that's who I am. Oh, that's and, deep. Uh, <laughs> it's just the opening crawl of Return of the Jedi. 
Wow, wow, really? Yeah, it doesn't even, it just says, like, <laughs> you know, Luke Skywalker has returned to his home planet of Tatooine. It doesn't even make sense. Oh, that's a bummer. That's a <laughs> bummer. Know. You would think, uh, you would think uh, Dave Filoni, yeah. that he is, would have would have just put some new text in there. Just, just, it only had to be like a sentence. It only had to be like a headline, you know? Yeah, seriously. Although I, maybe that's down to like a, a designer afterwards. Maybe he didn't have any direct. I think it is. Cause uh, we were just, yeah. we were, we've been rewatching clone wars and pausing and translating that Orabesh. And my favorite is one of the computer screens in the, uh, the Padme spying on the ex-boyfriend episode is just a tutorial on how to use the program that they used to animate the scene. Oh wow! Yeah, I I, I feel like fun. they're a little I mean, lazy I with the art. Been, I wish they, they had like people like put me some existing. little jokes in there. But uh, <laughs> hey, you yeah, fucking that's... nerd! Why are you translating yeah. this Arabesh? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I mean, presumably the people doing like the visual effects for Star Wars probably are just visual effects yeah. experts. And not people who are like dedicated to Star Wars in the way that, you know, super fans yeah. are. Who knows? But um kill your parents, worship Satan. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but it, yeah, it would have been fun. Guys who do the visual effects and girls who do the visual effects and non-binary pals who do the visual effects. Uh, sneak some shit in there. Yeah. Sneak it in. We'll we'll appreciate it. Some nerd somewhere will pause it. I like Cobb Vance uh, liquor bottle and the blue, the blue space booze. Uh, yeah. I think it looks real delicious mm. and I'd want to drink it out of that bottle. That's uh, isn't that the same stuff that they were harvesting in the episode with the uh, Imperial Walker that they have to bring down? Uh, no, those were like crabs or some shit, right? Right. But, like crabbing? Or no. Okay. Yeah. They were harvesting krill, but it was, I think, Spotchka definitely shows up in on that planet in some capacity. Maybe. I think, yeah, I don't know. There's another. I would tie-in. drink glowing space booze. That fucks you up. Yeah. It looks like uh, it would. Any any little bits that you liked, uh, darling Evan? Um, I thought it was very funny how uh, like the sort of impracticality of Boba Fett's armor was reinforced by the fact that you had to aim right at Cobb Vance's chest for the armor to do anything. Like, it didn't cover his... <laughs> look, I know I know that this is uh, a dumb, boring, uh, loser thing to point out, but that armor is just not very practical. It only covers your upper torso and your head. So it was just very funny how they had to have, like, all of the bullets pinging all around and only hitting like the central chest area <laughs> on Cobb to establish like that this armor allowed him to retake his town. Um, it, it does really highlight that it doesn't fit Timothy Oliphant. Like I'm guessing he's a tall dude and uh, I'm, they probably made a set for him and a set for uh, Tamora Morrison. Mm-hmm. But if you look at, uh, Boba Fett in the original trilogy, it does cover more. Like he's got the big ass bit, like leather belt as well, and he has a cod piece, and he's got knee pieces and stuff. But uh, for Timothy Oliphant, it's essentially a crop top. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> it would be it would be very easy to still murder that man. Yeah, you just got to hit him in the gut, and that's it. It's all over. Um, so yeah, that it was kind of funny. It was just a funny little bit. Um, Love that big weird worm. Love the love the crate dragon. Just good fun uh creature design. Love the uh I love the I don't know what they're actually called. You call them sand puppies. Those were also a very good creature design. That was fun. Um and like I kind of mentioned, I uh you know, love love the humanization of the sand people. That was a good choice. Yeah. What about you, Ryan? Anything else? I loved I loved uh, Pelimoto, the uh, the Amy Sedaris character coming back. I really thought we were done with her, but she's just so fun and weird, and kind of looks like my mom. And I want to give she her has, a hug. That this is the mechanic, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah she yeah, has yeah. extreme uh, bus driver lady energy. Yes, 
I don't know if you guys ever rode to school in a school bus, but uh, she's, I don't know why. She gives me vibes like every bus driver I've ever had. Yeah, she's just, she really is like an average person that happens to exist in the Star Wars universe. And she's one <laughs> yes. of the best. Yeah, she just happens to be there with her droids playing cards and trying to adopt a kid. Uh, she just, yeah, she was great. I uh, I like that Cobb Vanth is just using like a space revolver. Yeah. Like he he has a rifle later, but his his pistol is just the most cowboy ass Star Wars gun. Like even more oh, so yeah. than Beckett's, and Beckett has some fucking cowboy guns. Yeah, he he is the marshal. That huh. Yeah, like I was saying, they just really extremely leaned into the Western thing here. They yeah. did not, they they almost didn't bother to slap Star Wars, uh, like, names and stickers on things. They were just yeah. like, this is a Western episode. Yes, I loved, and I love that the production design kind of leaned into that too. Like, not only does Moss Pelgo not really look like Moss Espa or Moss Eisley, it's a different aesthetic, but like the buildings are up on stilts. And it just has a very, like, you're at an outpost. It's the main drag of an Old West town. Love it. What about you, Andy? Uh, I've kind of been firing off positives left, right, and center. Um, Yeah, like, I agree with everything y'all have said. Uh, I truly cannot get over how gay these two characters feel uh we we've talked quite a bit uh in our mandalorian season one recap about like the queering of the story and now it inherently feels like a coming out story with you know having to remove your helmet and recognizing that maybe the religion you grew up in like isn't like for you um and so yeah, this already feels like an inherently queer character and giving him this sort of like really intimate connection uh, is something. I love that it feels like they tried to give him potentially two female love interests in season one and like the fandom has resoundly forgotten or rejected them uh, and has like latched onto... Uh, Cobb or Luke as the love of Din's life. Well, the way the that uh, Din and Cobb were introduced was just such like a tense scene already. Yeah. And then the, it's yeah. like slowly because, you know, they they both entered this bar with the expectation that like something was going to go down. You know, like I think uh, Din was like, I think he thought there was going to be another Mandalorian like he truly thought there was going to be another Mandalorian there so he's immediately thrown off guard he's immediately on high alert yes and then um and so is the so is the watcher the watcher is shocked to see Cobb Vanth remove his helmet because they had been told for a full season that Mandalorians aren't allowed to do that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but we like I feel like anybody who was paying attention, like, noticed it was Boba Fett's armor. Like, anybody who was paying attention, like, I did. And I'm not, like, a hardcore Star Wars person. I was like, that looks an awful lot like Boba Fett's armor, and it looks really beat up. I don't think this is a Mandalorian. I think this is some dude who found Boba Fett's armor. And then, sure enough. um, But anyway, so Cobb Vanth walked into the bar thinking that he was going to have to kill this dude. And, um, like... Din Djarin walked into this bar thinking he was going to find an ally and immediately realized he was not finding an ally. And so yeah. like they had to like do this very like heightened emotional, uh, like social interaction where they were, they were both kind of like dancing around each other mentally. And, uh, and the entire yeah. time Din is demanding that Cobb strip. <laughs> and it feels, yeah. it feels like, Cobb is flirting with him by saying, like, you want me to do that here in this he's bar? He's sassy. And then yeah, he's, he's like, being... you want me to do that in front of the kid? <laughs> and, like, it, you know, like, you can take it as, like, we're going to fight in this bar and we're going to murder each other in front of this kid. But you could also take it as a little, little innuendo there that Cobb has kind of given Razzin him a bit. 
And uh, yeah, I love it. I love just how the whole scene is great and the entire relationship between these two is great. And it, you know, if Brian was here, Brian would be yelling at the top of his lungs <laughs> that uh, Mando asking Cobb to adopt Grogu if he dies is like cementing their marriage. <laughs> um I want to point out that Cobb Vanth already does have a weird slimy crane child in the in the hutling he kind of kidnapped and is forcing yeah. the Rancor trainer to raise for I him. I thought that was coming up. Yeah, so like these two space cowboys with their weird green sons are going to get married and their sons are going to be weird brothers and it's great. I don't think Star Wars is done with Cobb Vanth, even for the near future. I'll be stunned if he's not in the Book of Boba Fett. And I imagine if the Book of Boba Fett is about the power vacuum after Jabba's empire collapses, I imagine we're going to see Cobb Vanth raising this hut baby. I don't know if they're going to touch that. They might just hope that everyone forgot about the weird Malakili <laughs> chapter from Aftermath. Because it's real fucking weird. It is weird. I don't know anything about this hut baby. I was going to say, yeah, I, I it, feel like we probably lost Evan. Yeah, it is. In one of the Aftermath books, it's revealed that Cobb Vant has essentially like kidnapped a hut baby. Yeah. And is in like planning to raise it to take over the crime syndicates on Tatooine. But like. For the ben- goodies. Yeah, like benevolently. Yeah. And he f- he finds Malakili, the Rancor trainer who like cries. And the Rancor dies. Mm-hmm. And uh, is like, hey. We need to reference that character. Why? Why? <laughs> He's like, hey, like, you should come to Mos Pelgo. Like, do you have any skills? And the guy's like, no, I don't have any skills. I'm just sad. And he's like, are you sure? And he's like, well, I'm good with animals. And Kavant is like, huts are basically animals. And Malakili's like, mm. that seems a bit racist. But yeah. Uh, what are you going with this? And he's like, I want you to train and raise this hut for me. And Malakili's like, I, I, I guess do you have food and water there? Then like, sure. And like, that's the chapter. And, uh, yeah, it's bizarre. And I feel like Lucasfilm will probably not mention it again, but I didn't I think know. they were going to bring Kavanth into yeah. shit in the first place. So what do I know? And they they have a formula for like small adorable versions of classic characters. It's it's what you're coming for, you know. I'm, I'm still processing this hut baby thing. Yeah, I it's think a weird it's, one. Uh, like it would have made perfect sense to like raise a hut baby like Count of Monte Cristo style to like turn on your your enemy who you want revenge on, you know, to like make the hut baby your son so well, that it, he empathizes with you. It feels but, like Fargo. You know that mm-hmm. season of Fargo where the crime families are like, you have to adopt my son and I'll adopt yours? Yeah. It feels kind of like that. The weird the weird part, just just to clarify, the weird part is that he's having the this universe's version of the like horse trainer yeah. raise the baby. Yeah. <laughs> that's weird. Yeah. That's some that's some weird. I mean, I know that we've only seen negative uh depictions of huts thus far in star wars but they are like sentient beings i gotta assume they're capable of many different personality types and choices you know yeah no it's 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 a bizarre chapter it is a very Um, odd chapter while we are talking of the books i will say that uh chuck wendig who wrote the books and created the character did write like a blog post after this episode came out uh, mainly talking about how weird it felt. Um, this Star Wars fandom uh, was not kind to Chuck Wendig. And uh, whether you like his political views or not, or whether you like his Twitter presence or not, uh, he was severely harassed and threatened uh, for fucking years. Yeah. Uh, after writing these books. And... Um, it seemed like he had just gotten to the point of like letting go of Star Wars and just like moving on with his life. And then he woke up to a million text messages uh, asking him about his involvement with this show and congratulating him and all sorts of stuff. 
And he just talked about how fucking bizarre it was because he had no idea this was happening. And um, yeah, it's a shame that Star Wars fans are fucking horrendous to the people who make the thing that apparently we all like. And uh, maybe don't harass people. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, his first book, his first Star Wars book got review bombed uh, before it was ever released on Amazon. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I know about this because I uh, I read that book because it has a gay in it. Uh, yeah. I did like it. The reason I didn't continue reading the series is because I did not like the narrator who did the audiobook, and I don't have a physical copy. But I genuinely liked the story and the character, and I thought, Chuck Wendig did a great job. I just don't happen to not like that uh, narrator who does the Star Wars books. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you should read that blog post if you're interested in like Cobb Vanth stuff because hearing from the creator who made the character and has a complicated relationship with Star Wars is very interesting. Yeah. Um, any dislikes? I feel like we're running long here, but just any 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 real quick dislikes? Evan, you pointed out that you didn't like the Tuscans being murdered more than the humans. We already talked about that. Any 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 others? <sighs> dislikes, dislikes, dislikes. I got one. Hit us. Yeah. It was long. Yeah. Um, the first time I watched it, basically, I, I work in the film industry. I have long days, 12 to 14 hours. And I had come home from work Stayed up another two hours, watched it. It was the last day of a stressful show that I was on. I was so hyped for this. And then, like, it was long. I have never fallen asleep watching Star Wars, even a midnight release. It was just long. Like, I I can't think of where I would have made cuts, but I don't think this show works over 45 minutes. And this was an hour. It was It was long. And watching it again, it was a little better. But I still felt because one of my notes going into it was like, did it just feel long because you don't sleep or was it long? And it was long. Um, I did not mind the length of it because I was uh, having a nice chill morning and I had nothing else to do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I can see that I could uh, certainly. Play, like thinking about it scene by scene in my mind, there's probably some areas they could have trimmed down a little bit and not. Uh, had the the narrative suffer at all i i have no real complaints um i i love this episode i love that we got some aftermath love i always love tatooine i always want to return to tatooine i know people bitch about why do we always got to go back to tatooine I don't care. Give me Tatooine and fucking everything. But I have an issue uh, with like, like Evan said, I, I, I see the queerness here, but I don't want to give them credit for it. Do I think Cobb and Din will ever be confirmed on screen? I don't think so. And that sucks. Teeny tiny thing. I do think they go back to Tatooine too often. Personally, just to, I, I, I know you feel that way, way. And, and we can disagree <laughs> and still love each other. It's true. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah, I uh, I honestly didn't think about the fact that it was Tatooine all that much this episode uh, because they didn't like the only Tatooine set that we had seen before was that little uh, like docking station. Uh, and then we went to a whole new town with other stuff. So yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it was all classic Tatooine stuff, though. There were Jabba's and Tusken Raiders and crate dragons, and I know, but we didn't have to hear about Luke, Luke Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's something to be said for like Star Wars does go back to the Tatooine well a lot when it doesn't have to. But mm-hmm. any story that is setting up what happened to Boba Fett after the original trilogy kind of by necessity does have to go to Tatooine. So I, I feel like sure. at least this Tatooine wasn't forced. Yeah. Like there was nowhere else they could have told this story. Yeah. And likewise, the previous Tatooine story was setting up this one. And, yeah. And, you know, like you said, it, by necessity, they had to go here for the Boba Fett of it all. But yeah, I think we'll wrap it there then. Uh, I guess I should say the closing bits. 
Yes. Uh, Evan, while I look that up, what do you want to plug? Uh, listen to my podcast, Fan Fiction is Good, actually. It's a podcast about how fan fiction is good, actually. Uh, it, that's a very <laughs> specific topic, but I have seven episodes now. I have, uh, some episodes with fan fiction writers. I have some episodes with fan fiction readers. I have some episodes with professional actual writers who get paid to write, who have opinions about fan fiction also. Uh, and it's kind of centering around how we use fan fiction to cope with stuff and understand our identities and uh, deal with capitalism and stuff like that. It's a good podcast. Anything else? Ending pending. Very good podcast. Uh, these are the only things that I do online that I want you, the listener, to <laughs> give me money for. So those two things are things that you should uh, give us money for. And by extension, if you give me money for those things, you will also be supporting Force Friends Rewatch because we are all in a collective podcast pile together. Most definitely. Uh, I want to congratulate Chase, uh, that guy Jedi. He just joined the Pink Milk After Dark crew. Uh, Chase has guested on here. Uh, so has Brian from Pink Milk. And uh, they're constantly talking us up over there. So I want to congratulate uh chase and mark and m and brian uh for you know just expanding their family and uh adding some phenomenal talent to their show you should go listen to them and join the steam room they get real thirsty for Cobb fans and din over there as they should uh but that is going to do it for us here you can follow us on twitter at force friends pod we want to give a huge thank you to Bristol Podworks for that intro and for being our producer. Go reach out to them to make your podcast empire uh, begin its reign. I like we that. Are gr- yeah, yeah, mixing it up. We are grateful to be part of the Where They May Radio Network. You can get some great rewards at our Patreon at Patreon slash WTM Radio, as well as bonus content from Ending Pending and Fan Fiction is Good, actually. And we have the host of both of those shows here right now. What a yeah, what amazing synchronicity. Yeah. Yeah. How wonderful. We all dip into each other's wells, you know. When are you gonna have <laughs> uh when are you gonna have me on fan fiction is good actually? Uh well we're definitely gonna talk about Trans Wizard Harriet Porber, the novel by Chuck Tingle on uh fan fiction is good actually together. Yeah, because fuck JK Rowling. Yeah. Fuck JK Rowling. Yeah, Chuck Tingle is uh, the only good author who remains in the world. That's not true. There's a lot of good <laughs> authors. But uh, Chuck Tingle is a true ally. Chuck Tingle said trans rights. So we're going to talk about it's uh, not technically fan fiction, but it is a transformative work. Certainly it's a parody and it's a social commentary on something that is happening in a fandom space. So we're going to I have already read Trans Wizard Harriet Porber. Andy's going to read it next, and then we're going to talk about it on Fan Fiction is Good, actually. What a true buckaroo. All right, well, uh, the podcast is over. Ryan, how do we end the podcast? We say that they should tell the boy about his parents, but imagine for this one, I said it in that Tuscan language. Mm. (laughs) It seems to have some important hand gestures that are part of it also, so we can't do it right on the podcast. That's true, yeah, you can't really do it on the podcast. A Tuscan podcast would be interesting. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's where I hit stop. Where they may radio.